Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast, Maine's premier powerlifting and strength sports podcast. From studios in Westbrook, Maine, with your hosts, Matt Israelson and Matt Strong. All right, everybody. Podcast 22. Hard to believe. All this time's gone by, and we're hitting number 22. We're approaching that six-month mark. And we're also approaching the New England Powerlifting Championships right here, Saturday and Sunday. We hope everybody's healthy, strong, and ready to go. Yeah, we'll see you then. You should that. be deloading this week if you're uh, if you got any brain cells in your head. Yep. Taking it easy. Stay moving, though. Don't don't hang out on the couch. Make sure you yeah. get some reps in. Be active. Do what the Russians Go do. Go walk, you know, if it's rainy, hit the treadmill, hit yep. the bike, whatever it takes. Stay if you have on. any questions about any of the weigh-ins, anything, text me, email me, you know how to do it. We'll take care of you. So we've got a uh, special group of guests today. We have our second returning guest, Doc Brown. Yeah, unfortunately, you're not the first one to come back twice. Oh. And you're not as good looking either. <laughs> but you are the second. So, well, so you're the second best looking. Yeah. You're second best looking. Well, I'm honored. So that's good. And I guess Ed Sullivan used to say we have a really big show. Oh. We've, got a, uh, we've got a big show today. We are. Um, Who do we have here? We're very grateful today to have on the show uh, Terry uh, Mihar. Mahar. 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 Sorry about that. Um, just a quick background on Terry. 33 seasons with the Bowdoin Polar Bears, mm -hmm. the uh, the hockey team there. 0.669 winning percentage. You've got 542 out of the franchise's 1,006 victories. Mm -hmm. uh, six NCAA runs, coach of the year three mm -hmm. times, seven All-Americans, uh, winner of the Parker York Award for the New England Hockey Writers. Um, Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Yeah. Really great. Well, can I can I add just a couple things? Yeah, because please. Because you may not have this up in your research. <laughs> That's all good about Terry's coaching career, but Terry <laughs> was one hell of a player at Boston University. Be you. I was going all to lead into that. 76 you you ahead. No, you do it. <laughs> I don't know all the stats, but All-American. He can tell you about their record there. He can tell you what it was like playing in those days for Jackie Parker. If anybody knows about Jackie Parker, college hockey fans, that's like saying he played for Newt Rockney yeah. of your football player. Yeah, no so question. Jackie Parker at Boston University, yeah. who retired, I think, four or five years ago. Jack retired uh, about four years ago, correct. And near the end of his career, the last, I don't know how many years, um, they started to develop powerlifting in the Mike Boyle. We're gonna, yeah, we, that's what we want to go with us and see a little bit about that and with hockey, with BU and Bowden. Right. And also, I think your brother played at BU. My brother, yeah, my brother played at Boston. But two of them did. Rick. My brother was Tony was on the national championship team in '78, and Rick played four years. And Rick had a, a long NHL career. He, he finished up as the captain of the Blues back. His, in his the brother played years. 11 years in the NHL. I talked to him. No kidding. And he got a long career. And I think a lot of things you're going to talk about this evening and. The reason he was able to play into his late 30s was conditioning and diet and paying attention to it. And hockey traditionally uh, fought lifting and uh, fought it. Fought it. Interesting. They, really? They didn't want to do. It. Now it's nobody fights it now. Okay. Like, from basketball on down. And one of the things that one of my biggest regrets in sport is I grew up in a small community in Belleville, Ontario. Uh, way to all our Canadians that are listening. And they had an internationally acclaimed weightlifting club called the Apollo Club, Apollo club that had um, um, Olympians. 
and I entertained several times to go down and do it, and everybody says, don't do it, you'll get muscle-bound, you'll lose your coaching, your, your stick-handling skills, and so on. And it's a day, I mean, it's a time that I, it was a missed opportunity, because now, if that gym was still open and, and, and their, their head uh, passed away a couple of years ago, but it would have made, a, I think, even more of an impact on my career. But we're in a different place in a different place in the world right now. That's right. So I have, so you were a 76 uh, mm -hmm. BU grad. Um, I think, was it the year that you graduated? You were the MVP after leading the team in scoring? Uh, I think individually yeah, for, for our own team and uh, you know certainly uh, anytime you even make that team and uh, you're, you're afforded the opportunity to, to play and then to, to move the, up the so-called ladder and up in line certainly is, uh, is something that uh, I'm proud of but also very humbling and, uh, and try to put it in the right perspective because a lot of great players have worn that uniform. This is a team, Michael Rosioni, I think. Yeah, I played with Michael. Michael was uh, my brother. They were class of 77, I was 76. And Michael and Jack O'Callaghan. So you know who that is, Matt? That's again, put the goal against the Russians. The, yeah, and then after that, my brother Tony, there's a book on uh, Tim Rapley. I just wrote a book called uh, Parker's Wise Guys. And they talk about the 78 national championship team, uh, Blizzard, the, the whole bit. Uh, not team was uh, was uh, uh, Jim Craig and... Uh, and um, who else uh, was Olympian on that team? Um, the defenseman there. Uh, yeah, well, Callahan was on that team, uh, Craig, <laughs> and uh, my, oh, oh, it'll come to me. But anyway, uh, kind of an historic time. And this is pre-cable, uh, pre-television, so ho college hockey was pretty big. In was it Ken Wilde? No, oh, geez, he's going to shoot me if, uh, if he ever listened to uh -oh. it. Uh, and I, and I will, <laughs> uh, I will uh, let you know once it comes okay. to this old mind. Yeah. Um, so Dave Silk, Dave Silk. Dave Silk. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that you know this was before this was a uh, you know on te television. Yeah. How did you? I want. I kind of want to talk about the days before BU. How mm -hmm. did you get into? Have you always been a hockey player since? Well, Canadian. Uh, the interesting thing I feel about ice hockey, it's almost like soccer is internationally. It was a blue collar, get a pair of skates, pawn, stick, and, and go play. Pick and up that. Pick up game, but it was it was affordable for a lot of kids. Now it's turned into too expensive and it's really challenging it's really challenging to to play it but it's interesting that how that but that's what you did and and then if you couldn't get into the, to the one or two rinks in town you played on the bay you played in different areas they would shovel off the bay in quadrants and all these kids would play games on a on natural ice and and so it was a blue collar sport and Long winters, if you don't get out and do something. Exactly. Uh, and uh, the old TVs, we, you know, you remember the uh, TV guy coming up every week to change the tubes and so on. Mm -hmm. You know, that thing where they go dead at night. So there wasn't a lot to do. And then your parents didn't want they kick you out. And the good thing about those days, and I think it's changed a lot now, my mother used to say, hey, go get out there at 9 o'clock and come back at 6 when the stink's all blowing off you. And, <laughs> and uh, come back in the house. You can't do that with anybody now. It's just kind of scary. But that's that's how we... Uh, and my brother... This is a funny story. I'll never forget this. My brother Rip. So to get blue-collar railroad family... I remember seeing my dad's... Uh, you call him W4, whatever, down here. Is, they call him T4 in Canada. But he was making 80 bucks a week trying to support a family of nine kids. And... And we didn't quite have nine at that time. So you used to go to skate exchanges to uh, to uh, get your skates. And my brother, they couldn't find a size big enough for him. The only size they found was a pair of white skates with a fur collar. 
and he had to wear them. And this was his first skate. I'll remember up over when our neighbor built this uh, this pond. He would come up over and he was crying like a little bit because he was so embarrassed that so he was wearing. Three-time All-American, illustrious NHL career, blah blah blah. This so, is your brother Rick. <laughs> my brother Rick. Now, so him. his career started with yeah, with, you don't want with white skates and a puffy fur collar. And a tough guy, but he well, cried like, like a, a uh, boy suit, yeah, right? Yeah, boy, he tough. cried like a little baby when he had to wear it, and I laughed. I'm laugh. certain he made a lot of people cry later. Yeah, <laughs> as I met him. Yeah. Anyways, that's how that started. If you didn't do that, there were long winters. I bet. Yeah. So you followed, uh, when you started coaching, you followed quite a, quite a coaching legend with Sidney Washington. Yeah, a, a coaching legend both in uh, tangible evidence and numbers and, 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 and wins and so on, uh, but the intangible stuff was what made him a legend, development of young men, development of people, his, uh, his own personal uh, sports record, uh, called him Century City at Northeastern because <coughs> he gained 100 yards a game, I think it was, and, uh, and just an iconic, legendary figure. And if you go back and take a step back, we're all classified by divisions now, and it's how you give money out, and you know, Division ones can give a full allotment based on athletic ability, the twos are, but threes are all based on, on, uh, on a need. And so those, but back then, they all morphed together. All these teams were playing together. So this is, uh, they, they were the leaders. They were the caretakers. They were the ones that advanced the game. Uh, the Charlie Holtz and the Sid Watsons and, the, and, and that group. And yeah, very much a legendary. And, and, and uh, Doc Brown played for Sid. I just want to add, yeah, he was yeah. the captain yeah. under Sid Watson. Yeah, that was something yeah. that I was talking to Maddie about a little bit before the, uh, the interview is, how do you guys know each other? And that was, I assume, from... Well, it, it happened, and like all things, and Doug can speak, obviously, on it, but what happens at a lot of places, special places like Bowdoin, you kind of go up and you go like this, and the alums and life gets in the way, and then you reconnect, and just by timing and Doug's uh, professional expertise and where the program was and just us kind of hitting it off, and we developed a relationship, and then Doug became uh, uh, our team, uh, team doctor, and... And that in itself is is something, but it's just not being a team doc. It's right. it's, it's he was um, very instrumental in young lives. He was a mentor. My uh, players trusted him tremendously. Um, he brought value outside of just the clinical uh, stuff that you do on knees and, and elbows and shoulders. And and he became another coach. And, uh, and, and for that, sense. I'm forever grateful. Yeah, because you know, in your original interview, you mentioned that athletic training wasn't very popular at this point. Yeah. So, were, was there any resistance from uh, players as far as like, ah, we don't need him here, or were they totally receptive? No, I think it was the opposite. I think they, they were grateful to have somebody at the, uh, who had a real interest in sports medicine, yep. who knew what they were doing. And who was dedicated to being there for yeah. them and being there, you know, day after day. If they ever had anything come up, then they could they could call on me. And so I think it really worked for me in in that sense because it was a fulfillment of my professional goals, which was to be an expert in sports medicine, but to be involved with the team in a close relationship. And so Terry Terry basically welcomed me, gave me the full the full run of the place, if you might you might say. <clears throat> invited me in the locker room anytime. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. So. And and I think it's important to add this. I don't know, and, and you can comment on your sport. I'm a big real-time believer. 
decisions that are made in real time when the competition is on, when the game is on, when, when all heck is breaking loose around you, uh, to, to be able to do that and do what's in the best interest of the athlete, both in either shutting them down or allowing them to continue to play. So and Doug was outstanding in that area. And right now we're getting in a spot where maybe we're yielding to being too conservative and, and pulling people out too early, too early. And, and making that decision. And I use the old <coughs> quote, you know, it's just a bee sting. You can play. If it's not, it's, and Doug had that ability to make those decisions, and that's a real hard thing to do because every time you make a real-time decision, you're making you know, risk and uh, and that. And, and I think coaching's the same. And probably when you're doing your lifting and coaching, it's just can you do it when the clock's on in real time? And he was outstanding. And pressure's that. on. Yeah. So uh, back to Sidney Watson just for a second. How was so obviously. Uh, for those who don't know, they named the hockey stadium. Rightfully so. And Bob White, a, a, a former goalie of Bolton, who, uh, <laughs> funny, he was part of Bain Capital and he was Mitt uh, Romney's campaign manager. And and, uh, <coughs> and he was the lead uh, gift uh, uh, donor to Watson Arena and he played under Mr. Watson, okay. and Coach Watson. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, it was the right thing and the right name to do. But the funny thing about um, um, that is Bain Capital tried to buy the NHL, the entire NHL. I don't know if you guys remember that. So Bob, no, Bob White, he that. just, yeah, they tried to buy the entire NHL, really? Bain Capital. And that's Mitt Romney, the whole group. And I thought that was one of the greatest moves. It didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Imagine owning the entire NHL. That's a bit of a power. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> so how was the first season of coaching following Sid Watson? Was it was it nervous? Or how did you know that you were ready for the job, I guess? How did you feel that? One thing about youth is you have that hubris, that arrogance, that confidence, that cockiness that, that you, you kind you just go do it and you right. believe you can do it. But you, I think, I hope I was smart enough to recognize, yeah, I'm moving and progressing and moving forward, but paying attention to time-tested concepts and ideas and so on. But where I was most fortunate is uh, Sid, uh, Coach Watson was the athletic director and we communicated daily. He came to all the games and he was really good. Even after he, yeah, uh, he was active and, and the players that played for him uh, really respected him. So he was there. Um, but pressure, uh, pressure's a funny thing to me. I think I don't think it's hard to be successful in anything if you don't have a little bit of fear, whether it's fear of failure, fear of this. But pressure, if you don't embrace pressure and brush, pressure isn't a tool to motivate and get you going. Um, I think that's 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 going to be a void, and I've always felt uh, anybody puts more pressure on me than I put on myself, I'm probably in the wrong profession. So I had that cocking. Okay. And it's funny about how it goes, and I, I don't maybe I should say no, nah, maybe I'll say, say it. it. Say it. My job when I started, I couldn't believe they paid me for it. Really? Yeah. Okay. You're just that. Yeah. The, the middle third was well, okay. You know, I'm still. At the end, they paid me enough, <laughs> but in the beginning, I, I, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. So in the early, you have all that. But also, I had tradition, and I had, uh, and, and I turned the program over. And one of my main goals was is, is you, you want to obviously try to lead the program, uh, any program, better but also for the next person to come to have a chance. Uh, Sid left me an outstanding first year class. Okay. And there were five kids in that class. One's a college president now, one went over to Sweden to play, one is an accomplished business person, one and right on down the line. And uh, and for that, I'm most grateful because uh, we built, uh, we built uh, 
I think my career and the start of that and, and, and where we're going to go uh, for the next four years. So, uh, and he didn't have to, you know, and, and that's who Sid was. You can just check in and say, I'm done and whatever. But no, he made sure and he fought to the end to make sure that his next coach coming in would have a So a there was never team. a period where you felt like you were in over your head or you put off one of you chew or... Oh, well, there's always a period where you feel you're in over your head, but you got to fake it a little bit till you make it, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah. advice for powerlifting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Matt's yeah. just getting into powerlifting, so this is good yeah. for me here. Yeah, I like to. I want it. you to Google sometime, though. Just do me a favor. The Apollo, A P O L L O, Apollo Weightlifting Club in Belleville, <laughs> Ontario, Canada. Ken Carbrandt, and you wouldn't believe the. And I lived up here on a hill, and I looked down, I could hear him at night going, and I couldn't go near that gym because you didn't want to. And to this day, I think I would have probably been even more advanced in my game. And they had some Apollo uh, uh, weight. Yeah, they had, I don't know if they had a gold medalist, maybe a silver medalist from Canada. And mm. nice to see these guys. And pretty impressive. They try to talk me into it. And I said, nah, my coach says if I do it, I'm mm-hmm. going to get muscle bound. Muscle bound. I like that. That's an interesting term. Yeah. You're saying it almost a derogatory term. Heard it and heard it and heard it. Being muscle bound is a terrible thing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, strength training versus you just plain old technique, hard drills. So when you first, in, in 83, when you mm-hmm. first started, was the strength training, you know, extracurricular or was it a part of that Strength point? training was just starting to come in and we were just starting to now realize how important it was and you see it across the sports map. Basketball, I think, is the biggest one. You used to have these pencils and these rakes. Now, you know, a kid that's a 6'5", uh, They look like two, linebackers. They look like linebackers. Right. right. So that was a change. But what happened, to, and this is my opinion, that the reading and advancement was occurring, but the support, the rooms, the weight support wasn't it. When I first got the boat, and this is not an exaggeration, our weight room was as big as this room. It was embarrassing. The ladies' locker room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as big as this room. 10 by 12. And in yeah. one school, and, and we call it the Middlebury model, and I'll give them all kinds of shout-outs, and they went to the next step. And I went like this one day, and the, and the kid says, Coach, I really like your program. I really like Bowden, the tradition and stuff. But I'm going to Middlebury because they think they're a little more advanced and they're a little bit ahead of the game, and their weight room's incredible. And mid, at our level, started what's going on in other places. So that, and then the old muscle bound. And I had a player at the turn of the, you know, the, uh, in the, around 2000 that was so gifted and so talented, but I tried to get him in the weight room and he wouldn't. And he still was a real good player, but didn't have the upper body. And had he been in the weight room, he wouldn't even be more accomplished. Um, but so those things started to connect. And started. I'm still a believer that using your body to train your body is still a, a, a viable conditioning source, push-ups, pull-ups, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. But I think, and you guys can talk, when you talk about fibers, red fibers, fast fibers, slow fibers, all, and you go through the whole thing, the weight training is really important. Now, how dynamic you are, how speed you do it, uh, the weights, all those things is, is, is important. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I always wanted to ask you, I never bothered yeah. you during the games, it's yeah. the only time I saw you, I didn't want to ask you any of that, but what, what was going on up at Bowdoin for a strength program? During your during your time, yeah, I don't know. Say towards the end, I don't know. Very little, and and you knew it, and you knew we were, and we didn't have any. Now we have a guy that came from Arizona who's a professional uh, trainer who's outstanding. Right. But he's even overwhelmed now. He's doing thirty-two sports. Oh, so you, so there is no Bowden strength hockey coach. 
No. No. Okay. So he runs a hybrid pro. He'll have many lacrosse, football, everybody together and does it. And he's just overwhelming. He's outstanding. He's right. excellent. But he, yeah, he can't give enough attention. He and anybody. he needs three or four more people to, okay. to do that. But it's all resources and prioritizing and the whole bit. So those last few years, it was that was about how it was? That That's about um, The last two years, it was oh, much better. We, oh, okay. My last five years, it was really good. Right. But before that, it was like you're trying all these different things. Okay. You, you knew it and you couldn't get it. And then you were... People, we were bringing weights into the locker room, and right. kids were just doing branches oh, okay. and stuff. Yeah. And so we were, we were in the dark ages, but people knew that it, it was changing and okay. changing. And Olympic lifts weren't even what's an Olympic lift right. back in those days. So. Terry, I, I got a follow up. You obviously had a great chance to observe different guys, different people coming in in your program. Can you think of some great examples of kids who? were doing it on their own. They, they had used their summers or whatever, and they came in and you went, wow. Oh yeah, I, 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 I've seen that in several and cross, yes, and then, wow. And then you start talking to them. They're in a gym in a more urban setting. They got more access to it, they got better coaching, and so on. You go, whoa, and it was, it was, and it was, I coached lacrosse for three years, and it just wasn't ice hockey, it was lacrosse. And, and that's, a, that's been the biggest change um, as a coach uh, here. You're on the, the bus and you're playing uh, a really tough opponent. You know you're in good shape because when the players are getting off the bus, your head's up and okay, I'm okay. When you're not in good shape, your head's down and you're not looking. To see <laughs> you don't want to look at and walk off the bus. <laughs> right. But nowadays, I go in this eye test, even at Bowdoin, I'm seeing these kids in the gym, lacrosse kids, the uh, basketball kids, the football kids, and you're going, wow. We've come a long way. And it's not, and I understand diet and we get bigger and stronger as we go, but somebody's got these kids in gyms and doing the right things. Okay. And, uh, uh, the only thing I don't like about weights is all that work and you don't get paid for it. That's the only thing. If you get paid by the pound, you'd be doing all right. Huh? Have, you seen some, have you seen some kids that in a four-year progression, uh, you saw them really improve and strength had a lot to do with it? Yeah, strength, and you got to be careful. you got to remember, we're dealing with 17-and-a-half to 22-year-olds, and so the body itself, is, as hormones increase, and so there's a natural growth and development. But yeah, nutrition, weight, proper specific training. I still am quite a believer in using your own body to, to train your own body in, in, in all this together. Yeah, it, it's, it's just not one thing, but you see a, a, a huge difference. And the technique now is the lack... I mean the the less injuries, less injury. The biggest thing I felt, and, and this is anecdotal, so I got to be careful. I could have somebody calling in and saying this guy doesn't know we what he's talking care. about. However, I'm a big believer that what we were doing in the early days and the imbalance between quads and hamstrings were causing major, major groin tears really and problems in our sport. We figured it out. I had kids missing whole seasons, missing half seasons, uh, chronic, and so on, and we figured it out. And whether that was just, we're going to be specific to balance the quads and the hammies and, and the, the, all that, or 
or um, who was just doing the training. But the lack of groin, I had a kid miss a whole season because of, what's it called, emulsification? emulsification where the bone comes away from the... Oh, from uh, avulsion? Avulsion, is that, yeah, I got the wrong word, avulsion. Yeah. The tendon pulled the bone right yeah, away, it, bone and he missed a whole year. Because the quad was so was overpowering That's and strength by so I, much. Doug could speak on yeah. that, but isn't that why we're having tons of... You probably had groin issues when you were playing. It's just, yeah. so you, in other words, you, you determined it with weak hamstrings. Well, this is what I think, because I, I think back then the training was, we were just skating, and yeah. so you were just using, and it was a lot of quad overload yeah. and so on, and then that extension, and you would just pop it. But yeah. when weight training came, yeah. I think we were able to balance the hammies and the, and the quads so if we had less of them. Now, that's up, anecdotal. Don't no, it's not anecdotal at all. I, mean, I, I, I don't have any data, but it brings up what we do, because our posterior chain for it's the sport huge. we're in is really all we need to train. Everything from here to mm -hmm. here. If we never did a chest, except for bench press, or an ab, mm -hmm. we'd be fine. We don't have to do quadriceps at all yeah. for what we do. It's just, and why I've always tried to promote this stuff for all the sports, because we do squat, bench, and deadlift. That's our sport. Mm -hmm. But the things that go with it are for the posterior chain. Right, yeah. So I think you're, you, you don't need any evidence. You don't need, no. It's you agree with that? Chain. You're, you're talking about, he's, he, what he's saying is he strengthened posterior chain. Exactly, yeah. and the hamstrings being the biggest, the glutes, yeah. the lats, the rear delts, triceps are on the back of your arm. If we never did one thing for the front of our body, except abs, yeah. we'd be fine. Well, it's like the thing, how many people have a job where they walk backwards and reach behind them? Correct, and, so the know, hamstrings get nothing. Yeah, the hamstrings get nothing. And the other thing that, I'm an old dude, and I've been around for a while. I'm lifting one day. Our strength and conditioning coach says, Coach, you are so imbalanced in your lats and your back and just from the way you shoot mm -hmm. and just that over. And and he says, I can see it and so on. And so I think what's also happening is in training, we got to try to compensate for that. So if you're a tennis player or a hockey player and you're always going, to, obviously you're going to be building muscle. I don't care if it's not lifting weights. No, it's still, true. You, you become dominant. You become dominant. I'm really dominant on my right side. Right. And and they're starting to do that. But 20 I, years ago, you'd say, what are you talking about? I think Dr. Brown would tell you, we, we could fix that in six weeks. Yeah, six weeks, exactly. Right. And and that's what people, and it can cause, what it does, why I know it can cause issues as you get on in yeah. life. But it makes sense. Have you ever seen a uh, tennis player? Yeah. The big old, yeah. I played in the Canadian people, I, I played in the semi-pro softball league mm -hmm. uh, in the summer in, in college. And it was sad because it was a really good league and I had to go back to college and, and the playoffs were starting. I think in my summer, fast pitching it was huge we'd have 2,2500 people at, at a game it was big time yeah, tennis came, match you no know, fast pitch softball men's oh, oh, oh. it was huge in Canada yeah. huge and I think it's fallen off a little bit in like 25 and we had six world champions and I think or five or wow. six in the league wow. at that time and it was good we I played in 26 but there's this legendary guy Pete Landers uh, big guy and he, he kind of a mercenary went to he's like a six six guy lefty and then softball you know you know 40 something feet away and they step mm -hmm. so I remember the first time I went to bat against him I look out and there's this Greek guy this monster his right arm looked normal his left arm was like this because Popeye, Popeye yeah. pinching all the time and there's another side on that so we're playing in this town called Oshawa and I'll never forget it they pull the pitcher 
create, and they bring this guy in to try to hold, and the people in the stands are giving me a hard time. This guy's gonna pull one of you. This you've never seen anything. He's gonna be, be. So the guy Larry Mavity, who people may know, but was a legendary sport, and he's telling you'll be all right. You'll be all right. I said, I know, Mav. I've never seen the guy before. And so I'm up there. It's this big guy, big arm, throws probably a hundred miles an hour. You know, you just kind of guessing. Right. He throws me a changeup. The first time I've ever seen him. This lollipop comes in, I hit a line drive right up the middle, and I kind of the crowd didn't know. But the guy gave me a gift, this world-class pitcher, throws me a change up on the first one. But he had this giant arm, so going back to, I, th I think you're seeing, yeah. you got to compensate for that. And all we need is what, six weeks? We'll balance them all out. Yeah. Look at him. Yeah. Well, I think it might be counterintuitive for a lot of people to train what isn't used. I yeah. think that maybe like in the beginning that was yeah. okay. I'm going to use my quads, therefore I'm going to train my quads. I'm yeah. a lefty pitcher. I'm going to train my left arm. Yeah. I'm curious, what were the first like uh, hamstring exercises that you were doing? Because mm. you're talking about using your body weight, and I mean the hamstring targeted machines, like the glute ham, they're, yeah. they're brand new. They're relatively new. Yeah. There are there are some other like you get on your stomach, you can do the curls, the leg curls, and the you do, you okay. that's all we really had outside of your own plyos and your dry land training stuff but that was it and you were kind of guessing and so on but that's how you did your hands. It was more of a mystery than it was. It was more of a mystery. Yeah. It was guesswork and you know, that feels pretty good. That was tough. I, got, I, I, I failed there. No coaching. Now coaching I think people have said it's, it's all about the play. I understand that. I think coaching is incredibly important and I don't want to be self-serving but coaching makes a difference. It makes a big difference and, and now you get into what you guys are doing I think it makes a huge difference. It makes a, a big and then um, but there's nothing that can compensate for being specific in your training. You can you can do all the dumbbells, all the free weights, and so on, if you're not actually skating yourself. And I remember uh, vest came in and, and overloading us, and that fell off for what? The, the weighted vest. Yeah, people yeah, were getting uh, injured and hurt, yeah. and it fell off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of gimmicky, maybe. Yeah, yeah, probably. So was there? Now, give me a question. I yeah. mixed, and I don't know what to say because I've been asked this, and, mm -hmm. and not a. Some people think belts are. Or crutches, yeah, or and some people say yeah, it, 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 it doesn't hurt them. your abs. The big thing is don't, don't wear them. It's a yeah. baloney. Yeah. If you ask, I mean, you want my opinion. No, I want your opinion. That's I just my agree. Because go I'm going to say... Go ahead and try training with them for a while and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a few anomalies out there. Yeah, there are. Uh, Yuri Belkin, who yeah. pulled the 970-pound deadlift, yes. pulls, he, he, no belt. He's a freak. He's a yeah. thoroughbred. Right. He trained that way specifically to do no belt, and he did it. And he trains that way, but basically, you probably ought to have one. Okay. If you want to ask me, I see. I don't know why. I, I, don't you think it helps increase your oh, abdominal pressure, pressure, stabilize your spine? Yeah. Why, why, I was asked you? that one day, and I, I don't know. I if you train your abs properly and hard, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want some intra-abdominal pressure, which will then again stabilize your spine? That's right. what I got from him. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. yeah. So. Do you guys get asked that question sometimes? Yeah. I, well, yeah. we see. I see a lot of people. Say, oh, I don't want a belt. Okay. Okay. I stay yeah. out of it. Yeah, you go on. I mean, I. The only belt I want is that the champion belt. Right? That's right. <laughs> the world heavyweight <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've gone on cycles of training with no belt, but yeah. I always come back to it. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's it. You want to have something to push against. It yeah. isn't just your abdomen. So that's kind of the that's my non-technical way. Yeah, of he described it. it the best to me once. He said, "What is a hot water bottle?" Round and full of hot water, stronger when it's like that, or when it's kind of squished down and not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was the best way you told me. Um, so, you first started training in '83. 
Um, I started I'm training. Sorry, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, I, I coaching started, in 83. Well, I started coaching uh, as a head coach in 83, but I was at Clarkson for four years as an assistant coach and had a lot of ice responsibilities. So that would have been 79? That was 79 through 83. And then I was at Williams for two years. So I've actually coached for 40 years. Wow. Um, I was at a school in the Midwest, so it's, it, was, it was a long time. But boy, I've seen a lot of, a lot of different and a lot of changes. Yeah. Then there's that anomaly, that person that just naturally strong. <laughs> right. Yeah, it just, ooh. I have a great story about that. I, I worked for a man in Atlanta who was friends with Arthur Jones, the guy that started That's the Nautilus. Nautilus guy. And through Arthur Jones, uh, I met Dick Butkus. There was a big, he, Dick Butkus worked for Arthur Jones. He I hired him. That. Yeah. And for the Nautilus people. And I got to sit next to Butkus at this banquet in Atlanta. Really? And I remember he got up and he was talking to his, these, uh, I forget what the audience was. And he said he never touched a weight before he arrived at the University of Illinois yeah. as a kid. Yeah. He never touched a weight, and he thought that all the people that he was knocking around on the field were weaker because they did uh, weight training, and he, he didn't. Mm -hmm. So he said, I think it's making him weaker. But then, once he got to the college level, it became a necessary thing, and that, everything changed. But he was an exceptionally strong individual. And when people said, how do you... What do you attribute it to? He said, you've got to have a mother and father who look like mine. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of genetics and some really genetically gifted and strong people to amplify what you're yeah. saying. I, he was one of them. <clears throat> I remember playing in that softball league. I was telling you about this guy that would come and I'd look at him and like he'd been a member of the Apollo Club. and it was some, The pitcher? No, this was another guy oh. who played and you looked at him like, wow. But what he was, he was a, he was a carpenter and then stick-built homes were being built like crazy. Yeah, he was framing. And he was framing and he was hammering nails yeah. and he was climbing them up and so on. This guy looked like he had been in a way. So, you know, that's, again, that's my theory on using your body. But, oh, I saw, I've seen some. But then you talk to them and they look naturally strong. What do you do? Well, I work, my dad is a construction firm and I'm shoveling gravel all day in the Carrying summer. Stone yeah. Yeah, 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 to help there's something going on. Yeah. Yeah. Something in the water. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any sense, Terry, about, because you were close to the NHL, you had a brother playing there for a long time, yeah. you knew, you're Canadian, you knew all kinds of people. Do you have any sense as to what, what the impact of weight training in the NHL became? Now? Oh, yeah. I don't think you can be successful, and I don't think you can, it enhances two things, that I think it enhances your ability and your talent, but I think also it or enhance, or reduces the, the risk of injury if you're doing it right. They get injury proofed. It's, it's injury degree. proof, yeah, and I think it's huge. But you, I think the cut, when it really started to change is when the where they started investing more. My brother played in the NHL, probably making 215, 220,000 in 1989, which was a decent contract. Three years later, guys are making a million bucks, and mm -hmm. he's like, she would shake his head. But when that started to happen, and, and they're investing all this money, and he's out, and I, I think this technology thing started to change. But my brother played late because he paid attention to nutrition and, and, and conditioning and so on. But pre 89, it was kind of hit and miss, and people were doing it, and they were kind of, kind of floating. And there's that Apollo Club in my hometown sitting there that people want, didn't want to go near. And then once they got rid of this muscle bound theory, mm -hmm. things yeah. changed. Yeah. That, that, that was around that, for years. That probably it? held a lot of athletes back. I think so. Yeah. Tiger Woods did a lot to bury that theory. I think so. Yeah. He was an avid weight trainer. He's got a crazy bench. It's like 385 yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, he can, he can I'm, move I'm, I'm dating myself, but I remember playing Little League Baseball, 10, 11 years of age, playing three games on a 100-degree day, 
and you're going, they wouldn't let you drink water because yep. they loaded you. Yeah. Indeed, oh, it was yeah. worse than drinking. I, I, I looked through that, too. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. Stupid. That was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? And they gave you, salt, they gave you salt tablets without water. Mm. Yeah, without water, yeah. How about those days? Brilliant, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, what was the biggest culture change between the uh, people you were actually coaching between when you first started and your final year, as far as how kids acted, how they present, you know, because obviously social I, I media asked, became. I asked, I'm asked that question a lot, and I don't think there's much change. <laughs> I think they're, they're the same as they are. That 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 demographic. Uh, hasn't changed but what's happened is it's deeper there's more good players there's more really? well-trained players and so on. you think because of the coverage you get the to coverage find those and the kids are playing but there's a lot of kids but to still get those elite kids it's still it's still really um, you know, hard to find but I don't think they've changed much but where they've changed where everybody has changed is what you're putting in your body back then people you know and they even do now you know we used to get six bucks a day to f to give to our players to feed them in like 1985. You know, so those kids, when they were here over break, had six dollars. They'd have to go down and buy spaghetti, or they buy, and they're putting ketchup on the spaghetti. Mm -hmm. and so they were just, and I was given, um, I don't know what the per diem was. We'd have to stop at McDonald's to give them enough calories to. For the amount of money I was allowed, so we were putting uh, whoppers, I mean whoppers or Big Macs and fries into these kids just to get the calorie levels. We did. That's all changed. We have pregame meals. We graze on the bus. So I think that's been the biggest change. But we've provided that to them. Um, but has, have kids changed? No. I think the pr pressures are greater. Uh, technology is, you know, kids are pretty pretty well versed and so on. Yeah. But there has been an upward flow in uh, in academic performance and the academics required and the well, pressures. Yeah, that's that's just natural. I always said my goal of a college should be to make their former grads look a lot smarter uh, with the current crew. My goal as a hockey coach uh, was to make the guys that graduated 20 years ago look real good because that's how good the program was. And I had a kid come to a game, I think it was at Babson who played for me. And he's there with his wife in the game's room and she says, and, and he didn't play a lot, but he was a, you know, a decent player. And she looks at him and says, you played here? And he says, yeah. You must have been pretty good. <laughs> the goal is you want to, yeah, and but I think we've gone up. But now have they changed? Not much. Alcohol is still a challenge. Um, of course, uh, ki young kids don't see it as a, and I don't even know. I don't even know what it does to them. To be is honest. it more in the? I'm just, you know, I was in college recently. Do you have more of an issue? I assume with the freshmen and the sophomores, or is it? The opposite. No, uh, just but, but I just think I think drinking and, and drinking a lot of alcohol is part of college life, and, and, and athletes are no different than the other students. They do consume a lot of uh, alcohol, especially right. after a game. You know, we had the you know, people had the forty-eight hour rule, and you can't drink. But they they, they they consume, and I don't know where where I am and all that. And I everybody says that. The, the the research says you in moderation, but after that, you know, where does it go? But young kids, they, they have that miraculous way of digesting and, and pushing through. Yeah, yeah. I I 
think the biggest mistake a lot of people have made in coaching is pushing people too hard and uh, not letting them sleep and get their rest and getting them up early in the morning. Just to, to try to over-discipline they, them? Or? Over-discipline them. And if you're not resting them and you're not giving them the proper hydration, um, I think you can cause a, a lot of issues with your athletes. Um, but I erred on the side of making sure, like we would be on the road and I would not have a wake-up call to like 11 o'clock or whatever to make sure if they want to sleep in because they're studying and doing a lot of things. But I think sleep is really very important. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's... I think it's, it's super important. Huge, yeah. Did you have a, uh, a, game, a game, day of the game skate or any recovery? No, I didn't do that the day of the game. We yeah. would have it at home. Mm -hmm. But I felt by the time we got on the bus, had to get them up early, mm -hmm. get them there. And then the next morning, if we played at 4 o'clock, we'd have to find a rink, get them up at like 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. We let, we don't because of the budget. We didn't. If we're going to Middlebury, I'm leaving on a Friday at, at noon. They get to their classes for noon. We get on the bus. We grace on the bus. We get there, play the game, drive two hours, get to the hotel. We get into the hotel at one o'clock. We play the game the next day at three. I don't want them up at eight o'clock in the morning. I think they they'd be nice, but I think they need to sleep. Now, what about the, on the Sunday or the Monday? Was there any recovery work? Did you was there a light skate or anything? Oh, we did a lot of recovery. I, I think one of the things that that I felt good about. I had a natural feel, I think, for all that. And there was no scientific stuff that really came at me, but it was just a feel thing. And okay. and then one of the things, and, and even you as a trainer, you know, you can kind of feel the weather's off. You can kind of feel yourself down. You can feel kind of your biorhythms are off. I think that correlates to your athletes sometimes, too. And there are days like, I'm exhausted from this trip, and so was he. But yeah, but I, I believe in rest and replenishing. And, okay. and doing. Then there's some kids that want you to skate them three, three hour sessions, three times a day. But that's <laughs> that's the one thing though I think we're, I, I think they once if they're rested and they start playing they can play these young kids can play three games in a row everybody's worried about oh, one game, game they should be able to play three in a row but if you if you nutrition right rest right train right conditioning con conditioning is huge it's con and what it is it's a, it's a combination it's 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 getting the nutrients and the oxygen and and your VO2, all those stuff are really important. How to get rid of the toxins out of your body, and that's all about conditioning and and vessels. And, and I believe, yeah, yeah, I really do. You're big on recovery stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I, I as I listen to you, it makes it sound easy, but I think it's not easy. You've got a team of 23 people. Not easy, no. And you've got some of them that are fatigued, some of them aren't getting enough sleep, and you've got to decide how much, uh, how much of a dose. Of conditioning you're going to give them in February, yeah. right? When yeah. the, the yeah. days are short, and yeah. and you, in some ways, it seems very difficult to decide: do I push them a little harder or do I let them off a little bit? Yeah, it, it's really hard, and that's a feel thing, and that's where a lot of young coaches now are, are struggling and, and to have that feel. And, then it, it, you cross the line, and you know, this guy just, they use the term bag skate, and he just, what's what's just it? what is it? Bag skate. Oh, yeah. That means you kind of get sick at the end of it. But on the other hand, they skate like, bag. Hmm? Sandbagging, basically. Yeah, so there's there's all those things, and it's a fine line, it's a fine line, and um, that's. Coaching's an interesting profession. You know, it's like the five star athlete, and Harry Sinden said this years ago. You know, the five-star baseball player throws, hits, blah, blah, blah. You know, when I'm hiring a head coach, it's got to be that five-star, like, uh, <laughs> uh, experience, uh, understanding of the game, uh, being able to build it. But there's that sixth one when it comes to coaching. 
I can't tell you, but when I see it and feel it, I know what it is. And I think oh, that's that's the good coaches. They can't give you the scientific reasons why, but they just know. And just have it. It's just, it's just it's no different than anything else. And I'm sure you see it in your, you know, some people that just know that enough's enough or a little tweak here or there or whatever. We see, we see the, uh, everything in between and, and, yeah. and the way overdone and the lazy, yeah. you know. You Not doing enough. Let me show up yeah. Yeah. sometimes. You know, you see yeah. And the, the hardest thing in my, in my sport, in our sport, ice hockey, and any sport in particular, is you got to have career, you got to be able to put the time in, you got to be able to, to do it in real time, and so on. But you got to be courageous, and you can't play with fear, and you can't be careful. And if you're careful, I think you're going to get yourself mean, you know, either taking a hit or going into a corner and, and all that stuff. And that's one of the things I respect about football. Kids don't play football unless they're committed to it for the most part. They're not in it for half. You know, I've seen, you can see other, other sports where they're kind of half in and they like being around and so on, but they don't like the, uh, they don't like the heavy lifting or the, or the tough stuff and they're a little bit careful, but you can't be careful. And that's where the training gives you confidence. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know that you can press so much and run yeah. so fast and do a 40 in such a time that yeah. you're not intimidated by that guy and you're ready yeah, to you go. go. And you hit this guy and you say, you know, intimidation, is, that's the right word. It's not like he's dirty or whatever. Like, oh, man, I go in the corner of this guy. He's going, I'm going to feel it. Right. <laughs> what? No, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. So when the season ends or during your time, was there – probably some time off and then was there an off-season weight program or conditioning program there was a conditioning program that they did I used to give one out and yeah and one of the great things about coaching I feel you know I hope this comes out the right way but working at a great school like Bowdoin where academic honesty is is the is 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 cherished and in a must and so on Plagiarism and stealing things. Good coaches are really just good thieves. <laughs> Same in this game. Oh, yeah. 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 None of us are reinventing right. no. So I remember putting together this eclectic mix of all these training things that go all year. You get it from here. Again, that's how we used to do it. Now, But because of time, because of, uh, of the uh, uh, staffing and the number of athletes, they usually get posts season off and the kid and the athletes have to do it on their own so they usually usually get one season off which is not a bad thing um and this is where i knock heads a little bit with the faculty and so on is uh if you're training in the gym and you're in there um i don't think and doing it all year i don't think that gets in your way academically i think it enhances it because you feel better and so on. Uh, it's just another part of your day yeah and they're worried oh geez you got these committed kids committed 12 months of the year from the time they play to so on uh, i know we're here we're we're, we're we're driven by a lot of things as humans, and you know certainly our mind and so on. But we are flesh and bone, and you, yeah. you got to keep that stuff going. I always found that, or I found that my academic performance got a lot better when I started oh. taking the weight room seriously. Yeah. I tell the faculty, the busiest time of my exactly. our season is when these athletes are if better organized because they know they have to. They're organized, they're up, they're sharp, they're in shape, and so on. And Procrastination can be the chief thief of time. When you're out of season, you can kind of put things on the on the back burner. But when you're in season, you better get it. Chief thief of time. Yes, I like that. <laughs> chief thief of time. <laughs> now we've had this discussion a couple of, and you had mentioned it earlier about the cost of kids playing now. Yeah, it's crazy. And I also hear just hear things. These travel teams and this kid's on this travel team and that team and his high school team and there are kids that have enough money maybe shouldn't even be on a couple of these teams. 
and yeah. there are kids sitting home that should be playing. I just it, it, stuff it, I hear. It's everywhere, and it takes strong people and, and integrity and doing merit. And, and I got my first introduction. I'm not going to say the program was no. in, but I remember running it and running it with a, an accomplished head coach, and I were on the same team. And we had the team pick, doing it through the tryouts, and then we were kind of trumped. By oh you got can't cut this kid can't well what do you mean this kid is bad. well they can come back to the trial so they can pay two hundred more dollars and come and I never worked for that camp again I never yeah. went back but mm -hmm. yeah you, you're going to yeah, get we've all talked about that a few times. and you're going to get that and that's one of the the dangerous things in sports and and that's I think one of the things that leads to entitlement because he's oh he was on the AAU blah, 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 and he can't play for your basketball team mm -hmm. or hockey team right. or I think it's you see it in just colleges yeah. period you know kids who really shouldn't be going to yeah. Dartmouth well their father was yeah. alumni and they made this donation so mm -hmm. we're gonna let them in where there might be someone who's you know busting their back twice as hard and doesn't and that's one of the things we had some wacko parents to a degree when I grew up playing but co your parents didn't really go near the coaches and if you weren't playing work harder and you didn't even need to hear that from your parents you just like okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, a young man was questioning how much he was playing for us and whether uh, we were doing the right thing and we didn't know whether the puck was stuffed or blowing up that old <laughs> and they're coming at us and so on so my assistant coach says to him Ray Bork and the kid says looks at him yeah, and the coach my assistant says do you know where Ray Bork is mm -hmm. and, the, and, and the kid says of course I do do the Blue Bruins play Ray Bork and the kid says of course they do do you think we're stupid <laughs> we're gonna play the best players I'll never forget that that's pretty cut and dry yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, the kid okay no beating around the bush <laughs> um, so I got a question for you what is uh, for people who are looking to become a coach, whether it be for hockey or powerlifting yeah, or basketball, what kind of advice can you offer them as someone with over 40 the years? The best experience? advice I can offer is if somebody has tweaked you, and one of the things, I had a couple of coaches grab me as a player in high school and so on and said, you ever thought of education or coaching and this would be a good profession? I'll never forget those kind of tweaking, mentoring, and, 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 and it kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, but the hard thing in coaching is, is there's few jobs when and the competition is pretty significant, and you don't. It's a lot of macaroni and cheese days. They're getting better at paying these young coaches in the entry level because they don't make a lot of money, but it's getting better and better. Um, on the other hand, too, the way the world is right now, unless you're at a high school where you're teaching and coaching or a boarding school, if you're just going into it as a coach. You could be going along and life could be good and then in your mid-40s all of a sudden you have two or three bad years and you're out of work and, and it's completely awesome. severed. Yeah. That said, it's a rewarding profession. It's one that you know you're alive and I think it's a calling. Uh, but you've got to have that Harry Sinden six thing if you really want to be successful. You can recruit, be organized, do all that, have a good product to sell. But that real-time stuff again, you got to be able to coach when it's 2-2 in overtime against a certain team and uh, the world's falling apart around you and so on. And can you make those decisions? Can you make those decisions work? Uh, are you prepared for them? Uh, all those things. Can you see what's going on? So you got to have some aptitude. And if somebody along the line has told you to go in that direction, go in it. And some, uh, some coaches fall into it naturally. Uh, and then some get into it. Um, by default and it kind of works out and then there's some that fall into it because after they've played 
they don't know what they're going to do, yeah. and then their reputation and name, and that's one of the knocks, I think, and the <coughs> NHL's changing dramatically, and one, we were pretty much ahead of the curve in, in, in our playing structure and what we were doing, we were very non-traditional, but the NHL now is uh, so progressive and so uh, moving, they're, they're getting where the Belichicks of the world are now, that you're going to have these traditional three front, center, left wing, center, right wing, left wing defense, all that stuff's going to go, so you better be able to coach now. But you got to be able to sell. The other thing too, if you can't sell, you got to be able to sell insurance, uh, a product, and so on. Because if you can't do that and don't have that natural ability, you're not going to be able to sell your, your 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 product, which is your playing structure, your system, your technique, and so on. You got to be able to sell, and they got to have buyers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, to close the deal. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, the old, I always say to the, to the place, an old cliche, you know your A. Your ABC guys will always be closing, always close the deal. And uh, yes, and I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you were coaching, Terry, were there, were there other coaches more senior than you? They used to kind of keep an eye on, they were your go-to people for, for uh, to know uh, where the next level was, what, what you yeah, ought to be doing. Yeah, you know, I'm part of that. Parker, Jack Kelly, coaching tree, the BU coach, Jack was up at uh, Colby. Yes, that's important. Um, a lot of motivation-wise, but there's a lot of the, a lot of coaches don't have the complete package. And yeah. getting back to that sit in the fives, they don't have the complete package. There's a void there. But I always thought, uh, and you saw a change 12 years, 10, 12 years ago when we were doing I'm saying, everything else, you know, the Belichick's the world, everything, the demand, the Dutch, what do you call that soccer where they were in playing in these little circle groups what was it called the Dutch and the innovative guy just passed away I think I, I can't Croy. Croy. yeah I didn't he just I'm not sure if he passed but um, you don't have total to soccer whatever it was called is yeah. it, I listen to the Bruins I see the guy and they put up left wing center right wing left wing center and it's, and it's all the same and it's all like linear and it's got to be a and that's where I just said, hey, there's, there's got to be more. And, and I was fortunate because I coached lacrosse yeah. and I coached soccer and some other sports. I was able to, yeah. to take some of that. And that's a great thing I have about my job at Bowdoin. People ask me, what do you like about best about your job? And I used to say June and July because you were <laughs> off. But, um, but now, I mean, it was total creative freedom in what I did and, and what I was able to do. But the old guys and the mentors, they were pretty meat and potatoes. They were yeah. pretty... I remember a guy, a great coach, a legendary coach, and I was playing minor, I might have been a midget coach, and we had to be linear, we had to be in our line, I'm a right wing center, the center would angle, and the wings would go up and down. And I'm like, geez, the puck's there, I'm gonna go get it, I'm gonna go up, and all this, and all the Russian stuff. And the guy would yell at me, you get out that wing one more time, I'm putting a pulley on those yeah. boards and tying you to it, so yeah. make sure that you stay in your lane. And I'm like, but as far as motivation, and the game itself, and just the nuances to the game, they were really good. But they weren't really advanced. But again, um, yeah, mentors and Sid and, and, and Charlie and Jack and all those guys. But they, 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 they. What's what was new then is somewhat old now. But never throw away your skinnier old ties because some of that old stuff will find its way back. Right? <laughs> was there a specific coach that got you to kind of think outside the box, or you just recognized that it was meat potatoes, very linear, and you thought that it was? That it, was it was others who who had done it, but I was like, mine was more out of the need, and what's what's the greatest mother invention is a necessity. Necessity. And I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, traditionally we're left wing, center, right wing, lefty, righty program, so if I'm graduating five athletes, 
and I'm graduating a left wing defenseman, center, left wing. Uh, you would bring that particular position in. But I'm saying that these admissions tips and the admission supports are really valuable. And my left wing recruit may be, and my right D recruit are even, but my center recruit, my other D is three times the player as the center. I got to find a way to bring the right D in to play in a non-traditional position. That's so why you kind of recognize it. I recognized it. Yeah, it was you know necessity and being the mother of invention. I did it, and then it just took off. And I had some ideas and concepts myself, and I knew playing against linear teams and so on. I said it's going to give us. a I'm a big believer in competitive advantage and coaching within the rules. I'm a huge believer in that. What did I have? I had uh, that dilemma, so I had a. But I also had very bright, motivated kids. That, that I thought could understand and do that. But sometimes, you know, Bowden, they can do advanced calculus and all the theoretical stuff, and they can't figure out basic algebra, but I never figured it's, it's an interesting one. But it, it did work, and it, but yet, I couldn't, I don't think I could have ever had that creative freedom had I not had a, a degree of uh, stability in, in, in the program for a young, because anything time you do something new and you're cutting edge, if it doesn't work, everybody wants to see it, and you get all the, all the critics and so on, and I said, okay, all right, so you're playing a trap, you go to something else, and the, or the trap's not working, and you just keep trapping and trapping and trapping. It doesn't make sense to try to do something. So that's that's where it was, and it, and it paid dividends. It did work. And what I found was kids playing a center position were just okay. Putting back in some of the three-back stuff we did, they became all-American player. We have a kid that stuck with, until last year kicking around the HL was a with a traditional front guy, I put him in the back position in our three-back offense and ended up having an illustrious AHL career for for next number of years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, but that's the fun stuff. That's Hard in your sport to, to probably, but you can be creative. Well, no, I mean, that's what punch is. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah, we, yeah, there's a, yeah, we have a lot of different stuff we the, the approaches yeah. to training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot. You know, he's done some of them. Mm -hmm. Dr. Yeah. Brown's done Using bands and chains and different We'll bars. show you some of the stuff out here. Yeah, and, and I think that's... The, the far, far from meat and potatoes. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. but and time-tested principles and concepts have their place. They never go away. But they but, never go away. Uh, but, but there is... You've got to be ahead of the curve. you you, you got to be at the... You can't be ahead of the way because nobody will buy it and you're so far out there. But <laughs> right you gotta, at the tip. You gotta, right at the tip. Yeah. And you gotta catch the surfing term. You gotta catch it. Yeah. And you ride that wave, and you got that wave by yourself. Everybody's crashing and falling, and you're 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 taking the two people. And then eventually they'll figure out how to jump your wave, and then you gotta do something different. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's silly like, stuff. No, it's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So I have a final question sure. for you, Terry. If you're open for it, this is a question I ask a lot of the guests. Um, so I think this will be interesting also because you've retired in the last two years, but. I believe I asked you this question. What is what is something that you've learned in the last two years that you think everybody should know? What have I learned in the last two years that everybody? Or maybe you know, in the last. Yeah, always gives one tough one. Yeah, yeah, that is a tough question. That's an interesting question. Um, but the game's a lot easier. Fifteen rows up in the stands than it is down on the bench or on the ice. I found that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, what have I learned? I, I think it's more confirmed that. It's a process. It shouldn't be the end result. It shouldn't be the gold medal and so on because it'll all take care of itself. It's trust the process and be patient in the process. And I, I think that that's just, 
that's just compounded that and confirmed that just belief. Over that, years, it's just yeah, and you got to trust the process and don't make it. You're not a failure if you don't reach if you're not a gold medalist and so on. It's trust the process because that stuff will take care of itself. But again, probably the most interesting thing is how much easier the game is 15 rows up than it was on the bench or the ice level. Excellent. Every time we get a better answer. Right? <laughs> Excellent. Um, so thanks. This has yeah, been great, guys. Yeah, yeah I good. love what you're doing. And uh, So I wanted, you know, when he was playing, what, year, what were your years up there? 68 I finished. And who was that per the woman we that used to get us the tickets? My father and I used to go up there. Uh, Mrs. Uh, oh, the Joe Kamen's wife. I was, I don't know, nine or ten, and he was, the Bowdoin College ticket was, when they were, it was hard to get. Yep. Oh, yeah. My dad would bring me up there to, for those games, and that's one of the inspirations I had to, to start playing hockey, because basketball wasn't working out for me. And I kept playing after high school for one year, <laughs> yeah. but I opted for football. Yeah. But that was one of, you guys were one of my inspirations, yeah. Bowdoin College yeah. in particular. Yeah. Watching that, yeah. yeah, oh, they're all they're all they built the program. But I will tell you a, a funny story. And he was a captain. He was a captain. Yeah, and Doug is a, a two-sport athlete, you know, all the way. In, in, in Although I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you one good story. Uh, Terry, uh, you don't mind me telling this. I needed to have his knee operated on. No, so this, came yeah, this is a surgeon. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I think you need surgery. And he said, okay. He said, I got to say this. He said, you know, I looked at your statistics. And I think you've got 12 points in four years of bowling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he said, I hope you have better hands at the surgery. Yeah, I said, I hope your hands are a heck of a lot better in here than we're on the ice. And, he, and this is tough, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of comedians out of work because of it. He goes, all right, uh, touche. We're going to put you under, but when we put you half under, we can ask you all, and you're going to tell all your life secrets and your stories and so on. And so, yeah. Well, listen, I want to thank you for, Thanks, guys. Listen, yeah. for about 10 years of winter nights up there with him, yeah. watching the best hockey around. Oh, this guy let me in, I mean, on the ice, essentially, yeah. on the bench. Yeah. 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 And in the locker room and in the training room, so thank, thank you, Terry. You, man. And, yeah. uh, you didn't know me from anybody. Oh, no, I appreciate thank you. It. And that's, I think that stuff's really important. And, uh, <laughs> and I love but, it. But keep what you're doing, and, and I don't know if you got enough time, but I think it's critical to say this. I, as an old dude, I have found the wonders of weight training. Like my hips were bothering me. I was having some issues. I started to do some uh, flexibility in my ankles, uh, some flexibility drills. I had a test that our guy gave us, and if you fail this, uh, we have our athletes do this, blah, 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 relative to your squatting. And I'm doing squats now, and as I started to do them, my hip pain <coughs> and my flexibility and everything has trained incredibly. And it's like, you know, talk to Doug about it, we can take this Medicaid, do this, we can do, but it's been outstanding. And But it's a process. It's just... Uh, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. And I'm only probably doing 45, 50, 120 pounds of It doesn't sports. matter. You just, doesn't just, make, just the yeah. range of motion is gonna make you feel better. Right. Yeah. And there's a Dynamax membership waiting for you, Terry. There we go. Anytime yeah. you wanna... Yeah, we're gonna go out and take a look at it. But look up the Apollo Club. You guys will be shocked. Say that again one more time. Plug Apollo. that. Apollo. Yeah, it just did the moonshot. Now, the these guys lifted and didn't play hockey. Is that correct? These guys, no, they no, just lifted. Yeah. And I knew a lot of them, and they were great. And the whole, I mean, uh, um, um, the, the Barretts and so on. And these guys were great. And you're looking, geez, if we look like that walking down on the ice, people would be running, you know, they'd get on the bus right away. <laughs> but don't do it because you're going to be muscle bound. <laughs> muscle bound. That's What's that old, uh, you guys that yeah. know? 
I don't know if you know the... Uh, Let's uh, bury that tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Blasters. You ever heard the Blasters? No. A great group. Good group from, I love their music, but they had a song called Trouble Bound. I think of it all the time when they play and I hear it on my uh, on my uh, phone. It's muscle bound, muscle bound. And, uh, but these guys were incredible. Yeah, you, you bought the watch. You're gonna, you'd be shocked. A gym that was just in a garage that they just made work. Well, I've known a lot of good Canadian lifters yeah. over the years from the yeah. world and stuff. Yeah. We got to invite, invite Terry uh, to be an honorary mm-hmm. guest at one of your weightlifting. Yeah. He would be shocked. Well, we're putting the New England's on this weekend, so. You would We're be amazed. In the nice space story. next door. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm impressed, yeah. I, I really... The camaraderie in the sport is like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah. The the spirit of a kind of a shared challenge. Everybody's here he, to try he, to see he's everybody been in a, He's an official lifter. He's been in a meet. Yeah. Wow. Well, in, in a, yeah. a sanctioned meet. He's also been a coach. <laughs> um, pretty done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Another technical question, you guys. I see people lifting so much weight. The compression has to be incredible. Uh, Not bad. I th- I don't know. I, yeah. I can't. I don't know. What do you think? I think I think you you. Uh, I think when you learn, you the, do the process. Yeah. You develop the protection mm-hmm. against. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. You you it's and by the time you're at that much yeah. weight. Mm-hmm. You have it down. The, the and what I've seen, lifted, you, he'd have, he mm-hmm. has to be. He's right. Yeah. And what I've seen in this sport is people. You know, Matt's got a lot of time in. It, ten years, ten thousand hours before you become an expert, right? There you go. And a lot of these guys want to hurry the process, and they want to take drugs, and they want to uh, all of a sudden get to uh, bench press five hundred pounds. Kind of was there, and you mentioned it, and I remember there was, there was a correlation between when I was getting better and better to. And, and then uh, the juice, enhancement, the juice, the juice stuff came in. Yeah. Enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys get ahead of themselves. They don't have a base. Their body is not prepared, and they get hurt. Yeah. I think How the ego gets there, there, and people start to think, well, you know, I'm such a tough guy in my head. I deserve <clears> to <throat> bench 500 pounds in three years. Well, no, it's not going to take ten years to get there. We had a young kid. He's in here now. I'm not going to mention any names or even poundages, but he told one of my best friends he's he's coming after his particular poundage. <laughs> it, it took this guy 20 years to get. Mm-hmm. He's got about two years in. Yeah. He'll be injured. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. We'll right. keep him going, but we'll have to just tone him back a lot. Yeah. Pull back. Pull yeah. the reins. Yeah. On that note. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, welcome. You're welcome. This weekend, November 11th and 12th. <laughs> New England Powerlifting Championships. Yeah, I told you it would be a lot of fun. Did we talk too much? No. How long we go? Well, over an hour. We don't often to go too far from now.